0: All right, so Matt, we went to the library the other day and I found this book that I'd never seen before, and it was about anti gravity, and I just couldn't put it down. Other
1: than uh, being hot as blazes, I'm oh I know,
0: dude, it, fairly well. It's ridiculous, but it's summer, so what? What? What are you gonna do? You know,
1: <laughs> that's right. We act like we're surprised.
0: Yeah, we'll be complaining about the heat now, and then in a few months we'll be complaining about how cold it is. So we're just old cranky men. You know, just happens that way.
1: That's right. Next thing we'll be talking about taking metamucil and have, have we had decent bowel <laughs> yeah. movement in the yeah. last 3 days How
0: my knees are hurting and
1: <laughs> my hey, my glaucoma's acting you. up yeah. <laughs> yeah I got I got I got glaucoma Yeah um <laughs> I got a card that says I have it <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Teasing Anyway I, I, f- I heard a really interesting fun fact yesterday. All right. And I thought, I got to remember to share this. I, it, it's nothing just earth shattering. I just thought it was cool. So in the beginning of, uh, in the intro uh, to Gilligan's Island, okay, when you see the SS Minnow taking off from the harbor, mm-hmm. okay, if you look closely in the background, the flag is at half mast. Hmm. okay and i've looked i've I've verified this when i heard it um but it's because they filmed the the intro for the show in the week following jfk's assassination and oh, wow. all the flags were still at half mast oh wow i was like well that's kind of neat yeah um uh, that somebody was able to pick up on that, mm-hmm. you know, that it's in the background and you go, huh? Well, I just noticed the flags at half mast when they leave, When yeah. they, they leave for their, uh,
0: three hour tour, three
1: hour tour. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, that's funny. Um, it, it's funny that you came across that because I, um, just a little while ago I sent you those pictures I was driving past the book depository where JFK was shot, and I uh, sent you the pictures from that area. So, uh, a weird synchronicity again. I know. I
1: know. It's odd, isn't it?
0: So, we want to say go check out the Podbelly Network at podbelly.com. Uh, you can go on there and find some different shows to listen to that you may not find anywhere else. Um, just go search for. A list of shows they've gotten you can find all the members of the podbelly network there uh, we're proud to be members of the podbelly network and to be associated with those shows so go check them out at podbelly.com we also want to thank tonight's sponsor care of and we will talk a little bit more about them later um, while you're on the internet go over to patreon.com slash graveyard tales you can sign up to become a patron. You can get a bonus episode every week. Plus, if you're a $10 patron, you get the video versions of us recording these main episodes. So you get to see some stuff that I would normally cut out in the audio version. Um, I leave it in for our patrons to kind of see when we mess up, how we (laughs) mess up and all that. So uh, go over there and patreon.com slash graveyard tales and sign up to become a patron. So, Matt, that's all I got. So why don't you tell us, what are we talking about tonight, brother?
1: Okay, so tonight we are going to talk about um, another uh, national park, but this time we're, we're not going to talk about disappearances, we're going to talk about a haunting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, with more than 150 documented paranormal events, many of them experienced by credible witnesses such as rangers and scientists and researchers mammoth cave national park easily qualifies for the title most haunted natural wonder of the world yeah (laughs) i love that i love that i love it
0: it's a great title
1: i mean you know it's it's impressive in and of itself but you know the fact that it could possibly be haunted is just a little bit cooler
0: oh yeah so. oh yeah and i I can almost guarantee that most people even if they've taken the tours don't know it's haunted
1: oh that's right yeah i mean you i i've taken i've taken several tours um because i mean mammoth cave is only about an, no, barely an hour and a half from me mm-hmm. so um they've been up there several times Um, and yeah, never once do I recall anyone mentioning that the caves were potentially haunted.
0: Yeah. It's not something they play off of. I think they've got so many other attractions there that they don't bring up the, oh, it's haunted to get more people in, but
1: true enough. Yeah. I mean, there's there, like I said, by itself, it's, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So even, even without the added stories. You know, it it is still an absolutely amazing place to visit.
0: Right. So we need to talk about why it's amazing. Um, But first, I want to say go check our sources. Down in the bottom of the show notes, you can find where we found this information. You can follow along in some parts and continue the research if you would like, because I know on mine, there was a lot of history and interesting facts and stuff, and I didn't get all of them because it would just have been a... Natural History Podcast, which I'm sure some of y'all would enjoy, but we got to save room for the hauntings here, too. So if you want to get more information, then go down the bottom of our show notes and check our sources. Now, most of this first part actually comes from the National Park Service's information um, on Mammoth Cave and Mammoth Cave National Park. And like Matt was saying, they're both in Kentucky, um, easy to get to, easy to find, just Google search mammoth cave and you can get directions there. And it has actually been a national park for about 80 years at the time that we're recording this episode. It's been about 80 years. Now, if you're listening to this in the future, it will have been longer, but you know, <laughs> um, So you
1: can do the math.
0: Yeah, you do the math. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a math guy, so I don't math. Good. Um, now mammoth cave national park, um, Preserves the world's longest known cave system. Mammoth Cave is a limestone labyrinth with more than 400 miles of it explored. And it's not 400 miles in a straight line. This is 400 miles over three different levels. So you up and down and around and in and out and stuff. And the park actually estimates there's a potential for about 600 more miles in the system of caves. They just haven't explored those yet which I think is fascinating. I mean, yeah, it's been a national park for 80 years and there's still 600 miles that they have not explored mapped or anything. That's just fascinating to me. Now, in addition to that, there's over 200 caves in the park that exist as disconnected fragments of the larger mammoth cave system. So another 200 caves that, Just they're not connected to the main one. So Mm -hmm. you wouldn't get there. You have to travel elsewhere in the park to find these caves, but there's two hundred more caves. So this is just it's a holy area, area full of holes in Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Swiss cheese. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Basically. Now over two million people a year visit the park and more than five hundred thousand of them take the cave tour, is what they say. So 500,000 people a year go through these caves and very few of them know that it's haunted. They could be walking right next to a ghost and never know it. And like I said, Mammoth Cave is one of the world's longest known caves, and it's what's called a solution cave. Now, a solution cave forms when rainwater kind of seeps through the soil and it picks up carbon dioxide, both from the air and the soil. And it forms a weak acid. Now, this acidic water will squeeze in the small cracks and layers of the bedrock, like limestone, which is most of Tennessee and Kentucky is limestone. Um, yeah. And it will dissolve out these small channels in the rock for the water to flow through. Now, the water, as it dissolves these minerals in the limestone, um, it, uh, over a long, long period of time, these channels will enlarge. So that water can flow more freely as it passes through the passageways grow. So it's solution. Cave is pretty easy to figure out um, the water. The acidic water turns the minerals into a solution, washes them away, and you have holes in the ground, which are these caves. And that's also how the stalactites, stalagmites grow as these minerals seep through. They may collect on the roof and the water will fall away, but the minerals stay and you get stalactites and all that kind of stuff. So that's how, when you go into these caves, you see these big, fascinating, like looks like rock sculptures. And it's actually just from um, the mineral deposits there, which it is fascinating to me. I would, I would love to see it more but like mm-hmm. you and I were talking, Matt, I'm I, I, I'm kind of claustrophobic in caves. I don't want to get stuck in caves, so I'm not going to go spelunking and squeezing through tiny areas because I know my fat butt would get stuck in one of these things <laughs> and not be able to get out. And I would end up like that one caver. It it terribly sad. And it, it's what freaks me out. He was exploring a new cave. New areas trying to slide through and he got stuck and they couldn't get him out. Right. And they tried to like give him IV solutions through his ankle to keep him alive, but he passed away and he was just stuck there. And I I I fear that when I go into any underground anything. So unless it's big enough for me to turn circles in, I'm not squeezing through it. So
1: I'm kind of the same way. Yeah, I,
0: uh, I'll, I'll leave that to somebody else and you can just send me pictures of it. It'll be great. Now, uh, researchers have dated Mammoth Cave's rock beds to the Mississippian period. So the rock beds formed about 320 to 360 million years ago. However, the passages of Mammoth Cave didn't start to form until about 10 to 15 million years ago, when the streams and rivers that were flowing over the surface allowed the water to sink in and then form the solution cave. Like we talked about now, the highest passages uh, formed uh, up until about 2 million years ago, when research uh, speculates that the ice age activity around that time, had altered the amount of water that was flowing into the cave. So the remaining cave streams descended to lower levels of the cave. So, Basically the ice age and the freezing up of stuff changed the way the water flows and it stopped creating these big caverns, but the underground water system did keep eroding away the lower levels. Now there are currently five distinct levels of passageways within Mammoth Cave. These consist of four fossil levels and then the modern river level, which is the lowest level located over 300 feet beneath the surface. So, Again, that that's what we were talking about. It the, the river drifted lower and lower in the cave over time as it eroded away. And now 300 feet beneath the surface is where the current river level is. Um, and the rest of them are what they consider fossil la- uh, levels. So they're still there. You can still see them, but it's like the old remnants of where the river used to be flowing. Mm-hmm. The cave is actually still forming today as water moves downward through the large and small passages to reach the water table and underground rivers continue to flow out of the cave and into the Green River. So in another 100, 200, 300 years, there might be even more passages, not just another 600 miles unexplored. It could be 800 miles, be 700 miles. Who knows? Now, the first human inhabitation of this area occurred around the year 10,000 BCE, and this was when prehistoric peoples were living and traveling through the woodlands and plains of what is today called Kentucky. They were able to utilize the fertile river valleys that um, streamed through the state to help sustain themselves, while also continually following the supply of edible plants and animals as part of their nomadic hunter-gatherer lifestyle, this says. Now, around approximately 3,000 BCE, uh, those prehistoric peoples discovered the cave, which they sometimes said they used for shelter. But mummified bodies have also been found in the cave, suggesting that the ancient Native Americans saw it as a sacred place that was suitable for the eternal rest of their dead. By 1200 BCE, the indigenous peoples were mining materials such as gypsum, myribolite, and epsomite from the cave using mussel shells that they harvested from the nearby Green River. Archaeologists are still researching what those materials might have been used for because apparently they're highly dissolvable and they don't tend to last too long outside the cave. Um, so they kind of suspect that the ingredients were incorporated into medicine agricultural practices or trade, and possibly for ritualistic ceremonies. So eventually, around the year 200 BCE, all these mining practices stopped. And around that same time, evidence in the cave of the native peoples being there just kind of stopped. And no one really knows why they quit using the cave but some of the descendants of the native Americans that are still living in the area have said that their ancestors were driven away from the cave by evil spirits that live deep within it. Mm. So kind of a teaser to what Matt's going to talk about here, but, um, and and I'll mention uh, it again here in a minute, but there seems to be something about the, the deeper parts of the cave.
1: Yeah, it's, it's interesting that they, like you said, they felt um, that it was sacred enough to be a final resting place, um, a safe place uh, for their dead, um, so they must have had some inc- uh, some uh, inclination that there was something spiritual about it, mm-hmm. um, maybe not fully grasping what was truly going on there. And, you know, we're talking about limestone and flowing water. And as we've talked about before. Oh, yeah. You know, this is like a natural battery here as far as paranormal energy. goes. Right. Right. So when we're talking about that length of time, um, as the cave was forming and there was more water present, it could have it could have led to much more activity, or even brought activity into the cave with the introduction of humans, and you know the the activities that went on there. It it possibly could have disturbed something.
0: Yep, exactly. And what what I think of when I hear the tales of their ancestors being driven off by something deep within the cave. You know, my mind always goes to like those ancient earth spirits, the elementals, the Mm -hmm. whatever that um, have been around on this planet since time immemorial. And we've had different cultures speak of these uh, creatures or or spirits or whatever, and they're just inherent to the planet. And that's kind of what. I think of when I think of something deep in a cave like that. Is it an ancient spirit that's been around for years or maybe something that was banished to the depths of this cave and or banished to the depths of the earth and the cave eroded away around it? And then all of a sudden, hey, I've got people in here now. I'm Mm going to start screwing with these people. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Something Cthulhu like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, instead of being being buried in the water, it's buried in the earth. And, yep,
0: yep, exactly. Yeah,
1: you know, big slumbering, you know, demigod, and all of a sudden there's people walking around.
0: <laughs> yep, walking around and, and like digging in his cave, and he's like, come on, man, I was asleep. And then he yeah. wakes up and, you know, causes all sorts of hell. <laughs> now- uh, this goes on to say that they used the mussel shells that they found in the Green River to scrape the soft mineral crust off the wall into containers that they carried with them. And evidence of this activity can still be seen in thousands of artifacts that are found littered throughout the cave passages. Torches made from river cane were used to light their way and unused caches of these artifacts can still be seen near the tour trails. Other artifacts, such as woven fiber sandals, gourd bowls, and even prehistoric cave art, such as petroglyphs and pictographs, are visible on the underground routes used for their gypsum mining. So, there's still, and I think this is cool, too, that they just left them for you to see, but there's Mm -hmm. still evidence in these caves of the mining. And, you know, you had, I mean, you... You probably did this if you don't still do it, but sitting somewhere at work and you doodle while you're sitting there, you know, some of these could just be workers doodling while having lunch or something in the cave. You know, Uh, some of them could be for the burial practices, because we know pictographs and everything were used in ancient burials and caves and stuff. So who knows what these could have been, but it's cool that they're still there.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Now, this says that in the last 220 years, burials and the remains of desiccated bodies. So these the bodies weren't intentionally mummified. They were placed in the cave. And then the ecosystem of the cave naturally mummified these bodies because of the constant temperature and and the water content of where they were and all that they naturally mummified in the cave and they've been identified in these caves. They found them and there were funerary objects associated with the burials that indicate a careful attention and respect for their dead. And the tools and clothing found in the remains prove that prehistoric people were experienced in cave exploration. So it wasn't like they were just haphazardly going down there. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to survive, and they knew how to get through the caves. Probably better than we do today. Oh, yeah. I, I would I would assume that they were just much better cavers because they didn't have all the the crutches that we have with carabiners and repelling ropes and all that. They just knew how to do it.
1: You know, you, you lose a few, um, and, you, and you begin to learn quickly. Oh, yeah. All right. We're not going to go this way
0: right right
1: this way is death
0: right joe fell
1: we'll go that way yeah (laughs) make a note right here Uh, (laughs) you come over there and there's like a little upside down stick guy with lines coming up from right right
0: (laughs) and that's possible some of these uh pictographs in there could just be warnings if you see this don't go any further because it, Mm -hmm. it gets bad down here and then our dumb butts come through and we'll go, hey, look, pretty picture. And we just keep going. Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> just keep right on walking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this says that today the park has consulted with tribal partners so that the deceased have a safe and secure resting place in locations away from the cave tours. So they kept them in the cave, but they moved them respectfully away from the places that the the tours are being led so you, you don't have some jerk 13 year old kid come through there poking a dead body with a stick. Right. That's you what know. I
1: was thinking it over touching it you know.
0: Yeah. Hey, look, this it's little squishy. piggy
1: came off in my hand. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs>
0: some teenager walking through, he's crunchy, man. Look, he he. Now. Uh, One of the most fascinating discoveries this says made by archaeologists indicates that some of the American Indians utilized the cave to actually prepare the bodies for burial. So not just burying them there, but they actually prepared the bodies there. Researchers found parts of 41 human skeletons at the Salt Cave campsite in the cave, and the sizes of these skeletons indicate that there were newborns and adults of both genders. Their bones were broken split and marked in the same way as deer bones, which is kind of fascinating to me mm-hmm. um, that they, they found evidence that they, the, the bones had been cut and stuff just like in deer bones. Now it's said by many of the native Americans that there were shamans and medicine people among the ones to have been buried in the cave. So, it makes you wonder what kind of incantations, what kind of spells were done in and to this cave because of these shamans and medicine peoples that might increase paranormal activity or even stir up, start paranormal activity. Um, many of the ancient peoples and their uh, the the descendants today believe that deep within Mammoth Cave, in some of the parts that have yet been explored there is actually a portal to the afterlife and that's why these people were buried and prepared within mammoth cave so that was one of the things i, would, I mentioned a minute ago that i want to talk about is there's 600 miles of this cave that we haven't explored yet so there's if you believe that there can be portals to the afterlife or portals in the earth to different dimensions to whatever, then it is possible that one day exploring these caves, these explorers and researchers are going to find this thing that the Native Americans considered the portal to the afterlife. And what
1: if it's like Stargate, you know, they get down, they finally find this big cave with this big giant circle.
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: Figure it out. Open up this portal. It's been there this whole time and we never knew.
0: Well, if you, if you remember um, the Aztecs and and everything in Mexico, they believed that the big sinkholes there Mm -hmm. The, the name escapes me, um, but the sinkholes that are filled with water, they believe those were portals to the afterlife. And they would actually throw their dead and offerings into these caves and, you know, it would sink. And now we're just kind of going diving, scuba diving in these things. And um, it's possible that in one of those too, deep within one of those where we haven't reached yet, that there is something like that. Um, Because some of those caves there in Mexico were dry at the time of the native people's being there. And they recently filled up with water. So they could have walked through them. So maybe they found something that we haven't found yet. And it's like Mammoth Cave. I would be willing to bet that the native people's thousands of years ago actually made it further in these caves than we did. So what Mm -hmm. did they find there? that made them believe that there was a portal to the afterlife. Was it an actual portal to the afterlife or was it something, you know, some weird natural phenomena that we haven't experienced yet that made them believe it was a portal?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I like that. I like that idea. Um, You know, you would think unless it was just, just legend, and this is what we did and they came up with stories to uh, that that were associated with why they buried someone in the cave um that they did potentially find something down mm-hmm. there that made them believe that it was a portal right um it'd be interesting you know to to continue to explore i'm not gonna do it
0: no but
1: no. uh Look, if I've got to get down on my hands and knees to get into somewhere and I'm already underground, I'm done. I'm not doing that. I'm I'm with Adam. I don't want to get stuck.
0: And hands and knees aren't as bad as like flat out on your belly trying to squeeze through something.
1: Yeah. You people that that's that's how you get thrills is to go spelunking and get into these little crevices and stuff. You're crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, You know, God love you. You are insane.
0: Yeah. You you have a a desire for a type of adrenaline rush that I do not have.
1: Yeah. Mm -mm.
0: I'm not doing that.
1: I don't go. I don't. I don't go through little tunnels into the earth and I don't jump out of perfectly good airplanes.
0: Amen to that. (laughs) Amen to that. Now, this goes on to say that by the time Western settlers and colonizers arrived thousands of years later, this part of the country was under the control of bands of Cherokee, Shawnee and Chickasaw peoples. Now, here is uh, the contemporarily recognized tribes that have an affiliation with the cave and the land that's around it. The Eastern Band of Cherokee Indians, the Cherokee Nation, the United States Ketua Band of Cherokee Indians, the Shawnee Tribe, the Eastern Shawnee Tribe of Oklahoma, the Absentee Shawnee Tribe, and the Chickasaw Nation. So all of these have some association and uh, uh, claim to the land there. Now, in addition to mining... American uh, Native Americans lived in rock shelters or large cave entrances during parts of the year. So dry conditions in the cave have preserved vast quantities of these artifacts that we were discussing, uh, including some of the earliest evidence of organized agriculture in the United States. These part-time residents, they said, ate a variety of wild plants, including hickory nuts, lily, dandelion, strawberries, and acorns there. And when they could, they supplemented this plant-based diet with the deer, turkey, raccoon, and small mammals and stuff there. Um, now, uh, moving ahead a little bit, in 1839, Dr. John Crogan purchased Mammoth Cave from a private owner. He believed the same cave environment that preserved these Native American mummies... Uh, the old timber that was in there, any dead animals, might actually save his tuberculosis patients' lives. So Matt and I were discussing this a little bit before um, we started recording, but that's just a wild thought to me. You know. Yeah. Now, granted, well, we didn't have a a, a good grasp of uh, consumption or tuberculosis in 1839, so I can see some of it but then it is kind of wild to me that you're like this cave air might be good for you.
1: Well, yeah, it was widely thought that um you know fresh air and open spaces and moderate temperatures were great for folks dealing with tuberculosis. That's why we saw so many of these tuberculosis hospitals built in these the these areas where they had a lot of open space they were up on hills That's
0: you know true. they uh, yep. they
1: they were very in very beautiful areas of of the state um this kind of flips that on its head and says now nah, let's put them underground right um but the idea i can see because you know the caves are are a constant temperature um you know, you don't have the fluctuations in in heat or cold, um, so it's a constant temperature, um, fairly constant humidity. Um, but I was, I, I just can't imagine that the lack of sunlight was doing anyone any favors.
0: Right, right. That's um, very true.
1: You know, you essentially isolated these poor people um, from the rest of the world by putting them in a cave. Mm-hmm. So I can only imagine what the mental uh aspect of this was how yeah how hard it would be to accept that i'm i'm sick enough that you're gonna put me in a cave Mm -hmm. okay um you know and i I would imagine there weren't too many people that were just signing up to go i guess they were if they thought it was gonna cure them
0: yep yep if they thought that was how to save their life yeah and dr Krogan
1: was he was fairly confident in, um, in this line of treatment, um, yep. unfortunately.
0: Because, yeah, um, Krogan hypothesized that the cave air held the key. And he thought, like Matt was saying, that having his patients live inside the cave might actually save them. Now, by then, Mammoth Cave was already a tourist attraction and visitors were treated to the strange sight of pale, frail figures in dressing gowns moving weakly within the cave, as well as the sound of coughing and soft conversations heard throughout some of the passages. And it says that that's possibly the origin of some of the early ghost stories related to the caves. I'm sure. And I think, okay, well, nowadays, you know, okay, let's say back then you... Somebody saw a frail, pale uh, tuberculosis patient walking through and they thought that was a ghost. My thinking is because they're there now, we would have a haunting because of that. Mm -hmm. Um, This says that the air was unsuccessful in treating the patients and the experiment was called off after five of them died. Uh, Now, after death, they were placed on a slab of rock that is now known as corpse rock until they could be returned to the surface. So that's kind of creepy until they could pull them back out to the surface. They just laid them on this rock in the cave while other people are living in there and you've got tours coming through. Um, The rock is still there today, and people claim to have heard phantom coughing coming from that rock. Oh, yeah, so the coughs. Yeah. Um, now, many experts have said that they believe the number of deaths in and around Mammoth Cave are vastly underreported. And one reason is that some of the bodies were never found. So think about that. Matt and I have been jokingly kind of talking about our fear of not wanting to die in a cave getting stuck. But if you've got 600 miles unexplored, people go in there, try to explore, they get stuck with nobody else there. You're not going to find their body. You know, right. we haven't been there yet, so we're not going to find their body. So there, we may get down there in some exploration and find more relatively new bodies. You know, not the native peoples that were buried there, but uh, explorers from... 1800s, 1900s that got stuck in these caves and nobody knew about it. They just thought they disappeared and we may find them still there. Um, But
1: it's just, it's, it's crazy to me. Just crazy. (laughs) Just crazy. Um, You know, you can still actually see the little huts that were built for the tuberculosis patients. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that is one of the locations where uh, the sounds of coughing and and conversations uh, are mostly reported, but I mean, yeah, that's got to be a little bit eerie, you know, seeing yeah. that stuff, you know, seeing those those essentially stone shacks where these people lived wa- during this experiment. So, but with all that, there's bound to be some pretty good ghost stories that come out of this, and. And this first one is, is exactly that, um, there is a, a a particular spirit that is known as Melissa. Okay. Um, now Melissa's spirit is, uh, alleged to haunt the cave. Melissa was a young woman, um, whose love for her tutor was not reciprocated and, she decided that she had an opportunity to get revenge and abandon him in the cave without a lamp. And he was never seen again. Now, some say that Melissa's ghost still searches for him. I'm like, why? You know, you left him down there to die. Why go look for him now? Right. Um, But, Rangers have reportedly heard a woman's voice calling from deep within the caves labyrinth, uh, as well as screams and garbled voices. However, more experienced, uh, researchers and Rangers tend to just kind of laugh away. These, these particular stories. Um, but again, some people say that Melissa contracted tuberculosis, um, so she stayed in the cave and wound up dying there herself. Um, there is a, um, a, a a storyteller named Christopher K. Coleman, who um, he says that visitors may still hear Melissa calling out for her lost love, her doleful refrain and her coughing telltale signs that her restless spirit roams the cavern still. Huh. Um, but, you know, even still, others will report hearing a woman whispering or weeping in the cave, and it, these sounds are typically attributed to Melissa's ghost. But, I mean, could it be possible that, you know, they're hearing other things and just attributing that to a female spirit? Sure. Um, especially if Melissa never really existed. Right. Um, I mean, there's no proof that she existed. Um, There's no record of a tutor whose name was said to be William Beverly. Um, And there's also no reports of anyone else who disappeared in Mammoth Cave uh, during the 1840s. So it's really difficult to take this story as fact when there's no evidence at all.
0: Right. Right. All right, Matt. So let's take a second and talk about one of our longtime sponsors, Care Of. Now, as you know, if you've listened to the show, we love Care Of. Care Of is a vitamin delivery service. So you can order your vitamins online and send them to you. And Care Of believes that you deserve to feel your best this summer. So from getting outside to enjoying your favorite seasonal dishes to taking a mental break, Care Of is here to help you take care of yourself yourself all summer long care of convenient individual packets make traveling super easy you just grab a few one for each day you're gone and your vitamin routine is set even when you're away from home and we've talked about that before that's one of my favorite things about it is because i don't have to carry around bottles of all my vitamins with me i just grab enough packets for the days and i've got them right there it's amazing and each shipment comes with a customized booklet showing you exactly what is in your individual daily packs and why it's recommended specifically for you and your health goals.
1: Yeah. So, Kerov makes it extraordinarily easy because I, I'm telling you, when you go to a vitamin store or when you're standing in the supermarket and you're looking at the at the supplements there's so many you just get lost and everything tells you how great this is and you should need you need to take it and you know live a better life it's just overwhelming Mm -hmm. but when you when you go to careof.com you you take an initial quiz and it's not it's not some in-depth health study it's just it asks you about what your health goals are what are you interested in achieving why would you be interested in taking supplements? So you must want to gain something, and, and the quiz helps you kind of bring that out. Right. So when I took the quiz, it was, you know, I'm worried. I'm you know I'm almost 50 years old. I'm worried about heart health. Um, you know, I, I, I want to be alert, and I want to focus, and I don't want to feel, you know, tired at 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and I've still got a few more hours to, to work. So, I, you know, I put all that in there. And two of the things that uh, Kerov recommended for me were ashwagandha uh, and rhodiola. Yep. Um,
0: Ashwagandha, man, I tell you, that is one with my herbalism stuff. That is a great, uh, great herb. And I'm so glad that they have it because most vitamin places don't have ashwagandha.
1: Right. And I think over the last few years, it's become more well-known. But, you know, if you don't know, ashwagandha uh, helps with stress and anxiety. Um, it, it can help lower blood sugar. It can help build muscle and strength. And it sharpens focus and memory. So it, it's excellent. If those are the type of things you're looking for, when you take the quiz, ashwagandha may pop up for you. Rhodiola, um, it's, it's similar uh, it helps with fatigue, and it helps with mood elevation and brain function. Mm-hmm. Um, all things that, you know, at some point in our lives, we all become concerned about. Um, so those were just two of the things that Kerov recommended to me. And Adam's right. It's so convenient. You get the little packets. It's personalized to you. In the morning, you don't have to worry about standing in front of your medicine cabinet with 15 bottles of pills, there are supplements that you have to shake out and count. And how, Do I take two of these or one of these? Care-of's got you covered. All you got to do, open up that packet and dump them in your mouth and go. Mm-hmm. And it's ready for you the next day. Um, you, you literally can't make this any simpler. So, for Graveyard Tales listeners, you can get 50% off your first Care-of order. All you have to do is go to TakeCareOf.com. That's dot com, and enter our promo code GRAVE50. That's G-R-A-V-E-5-0.
0: That's right. To get 50% off your first Care-Of order, just go to TakeCareOf.com and enter our code GRAVE50. G-R-A-V-E-5-0.
1: But Melissa's story, um, a tragedy of the Mammoth Cave, appeared in the Knickerbocker in February of 1958, and the Knickerbocker was a publication that was kind of um, it was similar to the New Yorker. Okay, you know, it had a lot of a lot of personal interest stories, a lot of you know, a lot of fiction mm. things like that. Um, And the story was published anonymously, which, you know, that enhanced the believability of it. But does that mean that all the reports are false? Because maybe this is just people's imagination going wild based on a story that came out, you know, in in the similar era. Maybe, but... um, if we take the whole story out of the equation of Melissa leaving her, uh, her her tutor in the cave without a light source and let him wander and die, um, if, we, if we remove that, the reports of the disembodied voices and the coughs are still there. Okay? Right. Exactly. Um, so if it's, if it's not directly associated with this particular story... Um, that's okay. I mean, how many places have we talked about that they develop a story, um, based on the events that are occurring, you know, that's what we try to do. You know, if, 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 if you're witnessing a disturbance, the first thing you want to try to do is find out why, who, what's, what's, what's the history here, That would have caused this. Is there something to back up the fact that this place would be haunted?
0: Um, As humans, we don't like the unknown. We don't like the mystery. So if we have. Unknown sounds and an unknown haunting, we want to know why this place is haunted. So we may create a story around a event, a haunting event and. You said, does it make it, you know, untrue just because this story can't be verified? No, but you've got there are people out there that I have heard say, well, they are misinterpreting natural cave sounds for a haunting. Mm -hmm. Now, I'll give you that if it's just somebody on a tour, but like you said in the beginning, there are park rangers there are cavers there are people that they their job is to explore mammoth cave and they know the sounds that happen in mammoth cave so they would know the difference between a natural sound and a cough right and they have heard it they have experienced it so some of it yeah it could be just natural cave sounds that some Joe Schmo walking through there heard and thought it was a ghost, but the ones from these cavers, I believe them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. They would know the difference. All right. The next spirit that supposedly haunts mammoth cave is, is that of a man named Stephen Bishop and Stephen's ghost is the most commonly seen ghost in mammoth cave. And, Bishop was the most famous guide that would lead people through the cave. Born around 1820, Bishop began exploring the cave in 1838. Now, in the spring of that year, his master, Franklin Gorin, had purchased the cave from its previous owner. Now, he wore a chocolate colored slouch hat, a green jacket, and striped pants. Bishop would guide visitors through the cave, showing off its natural beauty and grandeur. But when not guiding tours through the cave, Bishop was exploring new areas and began the naming tradition that the park still holds today. Hmm. Now, he Bishop was, was a lover of this cave, as he's described, um, and, and he would be a part of it even until his death in 1857. Now, according to author Nathaniel Parker Willis, Bishop was planning to purchase his and his wife's freedom and move to Liberia, which if you remember, that's, you know, that was an African nation uh, built by freedmen from the United States. Mm-hmm. But this plan would never come to fruition. Um, and although he would be freed uh, shortly before his death in accordance um with Frank Gorin's will. So when Frank Gorin, Franklin Gorin passed away in his will, it was set up to release uh, Stephen Bishop um, from his uh, slavery. I mean, let's just call it what it is. I mean, you know, um, but he was, he was supposed to be freed, but he died before he could get to Liberia. And Bishop was buried on a hill to the south of the cave entrance in what's now known as the Old Guide Cemetery. And today, it's a part of the park grounds. Right. Um, Stephen Bishop has been seen numerous times wandering the caves. Most often, he appears as a fully formed apparition wearing a dark shirt, white pants, and a Panama hat. Now, supposedly, he will on occasion join a tour group for a short time. And Adam and I were talking about Stories that we had heard um, about this about people mm-hmm. getting that feeling that their group just got a little bit larger.
0: Yep. Um, they, they get that feeling somebody just joined their yeah, group. Somebody just joined. And not walked just up. one of them. It, a couple of them, you know, conferred and they're like, yep, there's uh, somebody else now that just joined our group.
1: Yeah. But apparently he doesn't say anything or make any noise, he just allows himself to be seen. Now on occasion he's also been known to blow out the flames of candles and torches that are used during tours. Uh, he's also been seen with the ghosts of a woman and two children. Now no one is really sure who those people might be. But
0: lost spirits it, in the cave maybe he's just yeah. you know he was the uh, one the original guide so mm-hmm. it would make sense to me that he would still care for the people in the cave and maybe he's trying to help these lost souls in the cave make their way through it
1: very good possibility i mean he's he, he's definitely not hostile i mean he's no, just he's no. just there hanging out because he loves a cave
0: well and i think it's really cool um before we get too far past it that he started the naming tradition that is still used i i, I love that that they they didn't try to switch it up. They didn't try to change anything or, or whatever. They said, oh, he's been doing this. We're going to keep it that same way. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I like that.
1: Yeah, it's, it's really neat. Uh, now, this next one is Floyd Collins. Now, ever since he was a child, Floyd Collins was ex- obsessed with the caves Um around his homeland in central Kentucky. And like a lot of his neighbors became more obsessed with discovering new ones. Now, mammoth cave of course was the end all and be all of caverns and it, it it attracted tourists by the thousands since the early 19th century. Mm -hmm. Now Collins was illiterate and maybe a little foolish to a degree. Um, But he was admired by his neighbors as a man with a deep understanding of caves and how they worked. He was one of the first people, for example, to correctly argue that the caves around Mammoth weren't discrete caverns at all, but part of one vast system. So it's really not a stretch to say that Collins did in fact die in Mammoth Cave. He just wasn't in the main portion of it. Right. Now, Collins' biggest discovery was Crystal Cave. It wasn't huge, but it's beautiful. It's much smaller than Mammoth Cave, and it's harder for tourists to reach. Um, and Crystal Cave didn't make the Collins family a whole lot of money. So Floyd kept searching. When he did find a promising crevice on a neighbor's farm, he brokered a deal with the farmer uh, to you know, take a half on what he would discover. And so it was a a Friday morning in late January of 1925. Collins, then 37 years old, crawled into into what would be known as sand cave. Now, let's talk about sand cave for a minute and what Collins crawled into. For the most part, it is a damp, slippery little tunnel. For most of its length, the passage curls down into the earth and is smaller than an air conditioning duct and a hell of a lot twistier. Not going to do it. A lot more dangerous. Oh, yeah. Now, when the one lamp that he carried went out after several hours, Collins decided to head back to the surface. Now, he was squeezing through a particularly tight passage And his hands were down at his sides when a rock fell on his left foot, pinning Mm. him. Now, it wasn't a big rock. Um, They described it as being uh, shaped like a a country ham. And it (laughs) weighed less than 30 pounds. But it was still big enough and heavy enough to hold him in there.
0: Well, and it probably wedged, too. You know, it got wedged in a way that he couldn't get it loose.
1: Yeah. So now he's stuck, he's cold, and he's wet, and he's screaming for help in pitch black darkness. No. This is why I don't go crawling around in caves. Heck yeah. It took almost 24 hours before he was found. And then all hell broke loose. Huh. Rescuers, some with with experience, some not, just started piling in. And the attempts to get Floyd Collins out of the cave lasted two weeks and ultimately involved family members, friends, state and local law officers, miners, stonecutters, college students, the National Guard, college professors, physicians, and reporters from all over the country. And one of those reporters was a William Skeets Miller. It was a 21-year-old reporter from the Louisville Courier-Journal who not only interviewed Floyd, but tried as hard as anyone to free him. Um, Can you imagine you're doing an interview with the guy that's stuck in a cave that you're trying to get out?
0: No, that's wild. I'd be
1: down there going, yeah, hey, uh, reporter guy, shut up.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. get me out of here. We'll talk when you get me out.
1: But Miller would actually win the Pulitzer Prize in 1926 for his reporting of this event. Hmm. I mean, this was like national news. Yeah. Okay. I mean this this was a huge thing. Now, after five days and two collapses, the cave was impassable, so it cut Collins off from the outside world. <sighs> Up until then, his rescuers were able to talk to him and bring him food and drink. Um, Skeets Miller actually went down several times to interview Collins, but also, they said, shredded the flesh from his own hands trying to scoop the gravel away from Collins' body. Mm. Now, after the cave-ins, the shaft was the only option, but the digging was going so slow. And by the time they got to him on February 17th, he was he was dead. Now yeah. understand they started this on the twenty sixth of January. Yeah, and they were finally able to get to him on the seventeenth of February. That is yeah. that's that is uh, ridiculously oh oh it's terrible. It gives me anxiety mm. just talking about it.
0: <laughs> I know. Well, you know you can uh, the body can live for three weeks without food but it can only live for three days without water.
1: Right. Right. Once he was cut off.
0: Yeah. Give or take probably a day or two, depending on your actual body and all that stuff. But, you know, it's the rule of threes, three weeks with no food, three days with no water. Yep. And I just, man, that, like you said, that is the thing that is in my head all the time and why I will not, go spelunking and crawling through caves because that is my fear.
1: Yeah. Now, uh, Floyd's body was eventually removed from the cave after several years and interred in a family cemetery. Floyd's father, Lee, sold the cave and property to a local dentist named Thomas, who somehow obtained permission to exhume Floyd's body and put it on display in a glass lid coffin at the entrance to Sand Cave. What? Where where hundreds of tourists could gawk at his corpse. Why? I that's what I said. Why? Why why do this? Yeah. That's- Is the story not, not enough, but hey, it gets weirder. Eventually, Floyd's body was stolen.
0: Oh, jeez.
1: Yeah. And they think it was by rival cave owners who were angry at the amount of tourists that his body was attracting.
0: Oh, my Lord. Oh,
1: well, you got a dead body, you know, and everybody's coming to your cave to see Mm -hmm. your dead body. That's not fair.
0: Yeah. So
1: somebody stole it.
0: Good grief.
1: Now, after a few days, his body was discovered in a field, but he was missing one leg and that was never recovered. So... They put him back in his coffin, but they chained him in this time. Mm. And they took away the viewing lid. So they put a regular hard coffin lid, but still people could still lift it up and look inside.
0: Good grief. <laughs> I
1: don't
0: know. Good grief. That's weird, but anyway. I don't I don't get it. I don't understand why why, you know, he <laughs>
1: no nobody people wouldn't do that
0: let the dead lie you know just Just, quit just leave it you you want a haunted cave that's how you get a haunted cave
1: (laughs) the guy dies you bury him when you finally get him out and then you bring him back okay yeah that's that's, nobody wants that nobody wants that. now the national park system bought sand cave in 1961 and they closed it to tourists but Surprisingly, they didn't give Floyd a proper burial until 1989. Surprisingly, (laughs) I am not surprised. But the way these people
0: have been acting, I'm not surprised.
1: They kept him around for almost 30 more years. Okay. Um, But when they did that, he was buried in a plot in the Mammoth Cave Baptist Church Cemetery. And yes, it said that his spirit also haunts the church. I would too. Yeah. He was man. Look what you did to me! Yeah, (laughs) my one leg and everything. I'm gonna hop around here.
0: You got my leg lost because you left me out here. Now I'm only one legged, and if I find my other leg, I'm gonna beat you with it.
1: (laughs) Now, in the areas that are associated with Floyd's death, his voice has been heard calling for help, and objects have been thrown. And it should be noted that in recent decades, Floyd's caves have indeed found to be connected to Mammoth Cave. So he was right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Throughout other areas of the cave system, apparitions have been seen, usually of African-Americans, which were the cave's earliest tour guides and explorers. Okay. So these, uh, these people would use... African-American slaves to go down and explore the cave and then serve as guides. Right. Um, That's the whole, I'm not going down in there. Yeah. Well, I'm not either. So yeah, yeah, nice move. Um, Oh yeah. And, but many of the, uh, of those African-American slaves would hold church services with their families inside some of the chambers within the caves. Hmm. Now, as we've said, Mammoth Cave National Park is home to an incredible variety of things to see. And one of those is this huge amount of seasonal wildflowers um, due to the abundance of the forest habitats. Mm -hmm. Now, although not inside the cave, the best area for seeing the amazing colors and, and flowers and everything is cedar sink. Now, Cedar Sink is an area where the underground rivers briefly emerge before soaking back into the, into the ground, and in an article by J. Nathan Couch, the author details his paranormally uneventful tour of the caves, but relates a strange experience while hiking the Cedar Sink Trail. Now, Couch reports that while his wife was trying to identify some particular flowers, he suddenly and clearly saw a woman's face about three feet from the trail. He said the woman appeared to be Caucasian or at the very least fair-skinned. She seemed to be in her late 20s or early 30s. Her hair was long and black, which she wore up in a bun, with one singular curl hanging down on her forehead. Her skin was pale gray, her nose was thin, and her chin was angular. He said the face was solid. But appeared flat and one dimensional. So she wasn't very, she wasn't ethereal. He wasn't like seeing through her. It was as if there was a solid image there.
0: Like a a cutout on a piece of paper.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like those things they have at basketball games. You know, they cut Uh, some big giant head of a dude. Big heads thing. Yeah. yeah. That's what he saw was like a fat head. Um, Yeah. Uh, he said that she had a disinterested look on her face. Um, But he said that was reminiscent of the faces from 19th century photographs. It was a time when people didn't really smile for pictures. Okay? Mm-hmm. A couch states that he saw the face only for a second, but that it was so vivid. He continues to ponder on it, placing this experience only second to his trip to Waverly Hills Sanatorium. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that's. That's pretty creepy. And like I said, it wasn't in the cave, but it's still within the park and it's close by. Um, Mm -hmm. So if all of this activity is going on in and around the cave, uh, it just makes sense that the entire park would have some level of activity because of the limestone and the water that's underneath.
0: Mm -hmm. Nothing says the hauntings have to be relegated to within the cave. Right. You know, it, it's it's a cave system, so any of it could, I mean, they could travel anywhere.
1: Yeah. Now, a few other little interesting stories that are mm, tough to verify, but fun. Um, there is a story of researchers finding a ringing telephone near hmm. uh, Floyd Collins' coffin in 1961.
0: That's weird.
1: I mean, so it wasn't like, you know, because when I heard this, the first thing is, somebody dropped a cell phone in there. Well, it's pre-cell phone. Okay. It's 1961. Somebody had actually installed a phone over there by the coffin. Okay. But the researchers show up and the phone is ringing. Okay. Uh, So surprised by this, they kind of decide they're going to follow the phone line and See where it goes. And so it goes, they follow it all the way back up to the visitor center. And the phone line has been cut. Oh, geez. Yeah. But yeah, it's ringing. Well,
0: why didn't they answer it first? That's
1: what I said. Why wouldn't you answer it? Answer a ringing phone, even if you don't even know. You know, mm-hmm. that, you know it could have been Ed McMahon on the other side going, you yeah, just. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> you never know. Now, another one of these stories um, that's you know, virtually unverifiable, um, tells of phantom whiskey bottles that would fall in front of national park service employees in the area where Floyd, uh, Collins coffin was. So like he was hmm. throwing whiskey bottles at him. That's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Why? You know, well, F- Floyd's like, leave my body alone. You know, mm-hmm. last time y'all came around here, I lost my leg. And
0: yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> now, Visitors also share some creepy experiences as well as the Rangers do. Um, But Rangers have reported feeling a hand on their shoulder when going to turn the lights on after the blackout portion of one of the tours. So this, I was telling Adam before the show, I've taken this particular tour where you go down, you get way down into this chamber, and then they tell you that you're going to experience what it would be like um if you were exploring this cave you know in the early days and they turn the lights off and it is it is the blackest black i've ever experienced in my life i mean there is no light you can't Mm -hmm. see anything um you can't see something you you could put your hand right in front of your face you wouldn't be able to see it you wouldn't be able to make out anything it is that black um And it only lasts for about 30 seconds, but it's one of those things you can just feel the darkness on you.
0: Yeah, I'm Um, sure.
1: But so the the Rangers have said when they reach to turn the light back on, they actually feel something touch their shoulder uh, in that process. Like, you know, don't turn the lights back on. Um, Other people report being physically shoved during the blackout period. And one story from a cave explorer tells of a ghostly hand that grabbed her as she started to fall while exploring the cave. Hmm.
0: That could have been uh, the tour guide. Yeah. Helping her out.
1: Stephen Bishop reaching out, you know, grabbing onto somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, like I said at the beginning of the show, and Adam reiterated it, um, the Rangers, they're not they don't advertise the fact that this is haunted. Okay. This is not a part of the regular tour that they're going to discuss the ghost stories and everything. Even without that, it's, it's amazing. And there's, when I went the last time there was, I don't know, probably five, six, seven different tours you could take, um, at different skill levels. And, and the, the, the couple that I did were a lot of fun. They were very, very safe, um I, I told Adam at no point did I feel like I'm not gonna make it out of here. I mean, you know, it's well lit, there's handrails. I said I told him, you know, one one of the tours we took, there's been so many people walking down these rocks, it's smoothed out. So it's almost like a sidewalk just going down. Yeah. Um so it's it's not bad. There are some that are more challenging. Um, but that that blackout portion of that one particular tour is really cool. Um, so if you know if you're in that area okay if you live in in the in that area of mammoth cave and you've never taken a cave tour you're you're doing yourself a disservice um you know this is this is a not just a national wonder i mean this is a a world wonder i mean it's the largest cave system that's known take advantage of that and go visit it ghost stories aside just go and experience this because it, it's 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 like seeing the Grand Canyon. Um, yep. I mean, this is a natural wonder, um, but the fact that it may indeed be haunted um, could make it a little a little bit more fun if you're going in there with the idea that you may experience something a little out of the usual for a, a tour like this.
0: Right, um, and something I was going to mention that we talked about before we started recording, but we haven't mentioned yet. Um. I I heard an interview with one of the cave explorers that maps the new portions of the cave, Mm -hmm. and we briefly touched on it when we said um, that somebody joined their party, but this cave caver guy, um, I don't know exactly what his title is, but he had a team. Caver guy is
1: a good title. All right, sure, caver guy I didn't want it
0: is. To <laughs> yeah, caver guy on on a little patch on your shirt. Yeah. Um he said that him and uh, his team of three other people, so there's four of them, they were just moving into an unmapped area of the cave. And when they got in there, he said, "All of a sudden, I felt a fifth person join our group." And I turned to one of my coworkers and I said, did did you feel the person that just joined the group he said yeah there's it feels like there's now a fifth member to our party and shortly after that they saw a dark shadow figure move along the wall of the cave and it wasn't their shadows and they apparently every time they move into a new area they get this same feeling that somebody joins their group they see a shadow figure and then they hear weird noises mm-hmm. that you know, it's these are experienced cavers, so they know the sounds of the the cave there, so they know it's not cave sounds. It's coughing or it's wailing or it's whispering or something, but it seems to happen every time they move into a new portion of the cave, which I thought was very interesting because it could be either one of the tour guides like Bishop or something that is joining them mm-hmm. to help lead them through this new portion. Um, It could be the spirits of people buried there back in prehistory, or it could be something to do with the further they get down, the closer they get to this supposed portal down there and they're just experiencing more of that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really interesting to, to think about these kinds of stories and the people that are, referenced in them because they had such an influence on how how the history of the cave developed. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Stephen Bishop being, you know, one of the the first uh guides uh for that cave, Floyd Collins being, you know, just a regular guy that became so enamored with the caves, you know, that you know, he 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 just he couldn't stop exploring to find new caves, new entrances and and theorizing that he was looking at one big giant cave system and turns out he was right. I mean those those right. are fascinating stories and the fact that their spirits linger around that cave I think is pretty is pretty apropos. Um yeah. you know, this was a, a huge part of their life and I think it continues on after their death. Sure. Um so you know, like I said, Mammoth Cave is is a pretty awesome place. Um, love to go camping up there. Uh, you know, it, it's always fun. But the next time I go now, uh, you know, those cave tours are going to be a little bit more interesting.
0: Oh sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> so uh, on that note, um, I'm going to say if uh, if you live in the area, if you've had a weird experience. Uh, in and around Mammoth Cave, in the cave, or in the park, let us know. And mm-hmm. the best place to let us know is in our Facebook group. Uh, just go to Facebook and search Graveyard Tales. You'll find the link to the group. Um, we have a lot of folks that share personal experiences in there. Um, it is a safe place. No one's going to make fun of you. We all just want to hear great stories. And it is a private group. So what you post in there is going to stay in there. Um, right. You know, you're not you're not gonna, you know, show everybody else, you know, that you you had an experience that maybe scared the pants off of you and you're worried somebody's gonna call you a you know, a loony. It's not gonna happen. Not in the graveyard. Right. Okay. Um, and while you're at it, you can go check out our website, which is graveyardpodcast.com, and there you can find links to purchase Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can learn a little bit more about Adam and myself. You can listen to the show. And you can become a patron. And we thank everyone who has donated their hard-earned money uh, to the work that Adam and I do. It really helps us keep it going. So, uh, I think that's it for Mammoth Cave. Adam, you got anything else? I got nothing else. All right, brother. Until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard.
0: See you soon.